Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker, and my guest today is Michael Cole. He is the VP of Marketing at Everflow, a partner marketing platform that helps clients manage multiple performance-driven partnerships. These include affiliates, influencers, media buying channels, and apps. On today's episode, he dives into his affiliate marketing background and how Everflow helps brands identify partners that provide the most value. Before I start my conversation with Michael, I would like you to know more about our services. We help businesses manage their content marketing, influencer marketing, online PR, and more. You can also visit our website at sheenbarker.com to get more details. And now let's kickstart the conversation with Michael. All right, you guys. Hey, we're excited. We have Michael Cole today from, uh, uh, from Everflow on, on the podcast. Super excited to have you on. Once again, man, thanks for, uh, I know we've been going back and forth for a little bit, and I'm, I'm excited about having you on the podcast today. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. 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 Well, cool. Uh, for those of you um, that are listening to podcasts that don't know about Michael, we're going to go ahead and do a little backstory on him and kind of ask him a few questions about, you know, where he grew up and some other fun things. And then we'll jump into uh, Everflow and some of the other cool features and things that they've got going on. So Michael, why don't you give us a breakdown here? So where did you grow up at? Yeah. I mean, if you want to go way back, uh, I grew up in um, right next to Yosemite in this little tourist town called Oakhurst. California. We just drove through there. I was just, I was there. Actually, we got evacuated. I was actually in Yosemite. This was maybe four, three months ago, four months ago. We got evacuated. In fact, we drove through that city and I thought, God, that would probably be awesome to live there. Now you might have a different opinion because you lived there the whole time. So, I mean, I, I want to get your opinion on that. Definitely. I'm, I'm a big city person now, like growing up in a small town, like I always had this like deep fear but it was pretty irrational that I would just never leave because there's always some people that never leave your like small town. And you're like, I, I want to do something more than that. Um, but yeah, growing up in Oakhurst was super interesting, especially because uh, my parents are, were, were, I mean, are video game designers. So we have this tourist town. There's nothing in this town except tourist stuff. And there used to be a video game company called Sierra Online. So anyone who's familiar with like really old school computer games may have heard of this company. Um, what's interesting about this company is, again, small town. This company, uh, if you're familiar with video games, there's two major companies now, Blizzard and Valve. Both of these companies were originally co-owned by Sierra Online. Really? So it's like this small town small company, but like they own the biggest video game companies in the world for a long time. And so my parents were video game designers for one of their first four major adventure games, in this case, uh, Quest for Glory. And the way that company came about was really fascinating. So they came up with this idea for creating like a graphical adventure game mm -hmm. um, before mm -hmm. any graphics had really been in video games. So they made one of the first video game with graphics. And they said, if we sell more than 100,000 copies, like we're going to move to Bass Lake next to Yosemite because that's where they always wanted to live. Uh, that game sold millions. It spawned Sierra Online, which became this huge video game company and then eventually got bought off by a massive French conglomerate. Uh, so that's yeah, it was a, a weird childhood and the combination of small town and, uh, and like video big games. town uh, company. Dude, that yeah. is awesome. That is awesome. I, you know, so how big was your family? Uh, so I was an only child, um, which means I'm perfect for COVID because I'm very used to keeping myself entertained <laughs> with few friends and no one I can see. I used to live a mile down a dirt road from like the next neighbor. 
So even seeing friends was like seven miles away, uh, which means it didn't happen that often. So you, you are built for COVID. You're like, Hey, this is like for you. Like, this is like, this is, this is it. This is what we do all the time. Anyways. I got to try I'm used to not being yeah, around. I, I don't people. understand what's the big deal. <laughs> yeah. we, we're going to need you to do some training. Cause I know people are losing their minds right now. You're like, Listen, dude, I made it through it my childhood. Not a big deal. Um, and so that's, I was going to ask you some interesting facts about growing up, but it's gotta be the fact that your, your parents were both video game produce or, you know, produce video games. That's pretty awesome, man. Um, and then where you live now? Are you yeah, in the they, Bay Area now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just in Oakland, which I absolutely love. Yeah, Oakland's an awesome city. Yeah, that's not too far. I'm in Sacramento, so I'm, I'm only about a hop, skip, and a nice. jump from you. Yeah, not too, too far. So you were going to say something interesting about your family, about growing up with video games. Like, oh, yeah. Just the video game industry, especially back then, was like the worst industry to work for in a lot of ways because – like you're talking about the early days of video game companies and the way that they hired were they would hire suits to be the managers and video games were so new. None of those suits like had any passion for video games, et cetera. Uh, So like it's famous for like crunch mode and for like the Dilbert type bosses that had no idea what was going on, but would be like, why is it not done next week? So a lot of the early games were very, very buggy because they always had like a hard deadline where they just had to release it no matter what, no matter how broken the game was, it always had to come out. So I was like, I do never want to be on like the programming side. Like it's always better to be on like the business side because then you have more control over your own destiny. It turns out that uh, all those engineers ended up becoming the managers and like tech CEOs and stuff. So it was a, a wrong inclination. But at that time it was like, not for me. I don't, I don't want to be told what to do by someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. That's the worst. I mean, I don't care what industry you're in. It's when you have somebody come in that has no idea about your industry that they're, maybe they're tech, they're trained, you know, they have a, a, an MBA and that's awesome. But it's like, you've never been in the industry and yet you're trying to tell me what to do. You've never been in the trenches, but yet you want to, you know how to run this. And that's the worst, especially with timelines. You're just like, well, just get it done in two weeks. And it's like, mm-hmm. have you ever designed a video game? Like, do you understand <laughs> what it, what it, takes to do this like this isn't like me just going home for a half an hour and clicking a few buttons and then you know pressing enter and then all of a sudden it goes live so mm-hmm. i can imagine your parents are probably like oh this is this sucks for right <laughs> now until good things happen and then you get people in there that understand what's going on i think that's awesome and yeah then, and have respect yeah that's the deal, expertise right? yeah and understand it right and have an understanding yeah. of like hey i understand this is this is going to take a little while longer not a problem or hey can you make this deadline by this time yes i can great then we'll stick with that so where did you go? Where did you go to college? Uh, so I went to college at UC Santa Barbara, which uh, I highly recommend is one of the most useful schools to go to uh, for success in life because uh, UC Santa Barbara, famous for its being a party school. And it turns out like knowing how to drink, be sociable and still get stuff done is like the most valuable like <laughs> tech industry skill out yeah. there. You heard it here first. That's that's what you got to do. No, and it's funny. So I know State Street. So I've been to Santa Barbara quite mm-hmm. a few times, and it's absolutely beautiful. So my my son actually lives in Ventura, so he's not too too far from there. But I will tell you, I went to um, well, one of those colleges I went to was Chico, and so Chico was kind of the same deal. Chico wasn't as much to do by, as Santa Barbara. Like Santa Barbara is just beautiful right there on the mm-hmm. beach, and there's all kinds of fun stuff. Um, Chico was, but it definitely kind of got you like, hey, you're gonna have to have some fun, which is that's what we're doing. And but you also got to get some stuff done. You got to get the good grades. So I could see, I would definitely see Santa Barbara as a place that that was actually on my son's list, some places to 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 take a look at because it's like Santa Barbara, like 
it doesn't, I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful. It's just such a nice, nice place to be in the, 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 the craft beer scene there. And just the overall scene, food scene, just everything about it is awesome. Probably a little yeah, expensive for a college student, but, it, but that's <laughs> awesome. It's, it's a good place to be. Um, and then what was your first job out of college? What did you do? And, and that's a whole another thing. What did you, what was your major? Um, that was something interesting. Oh yeah. So I, I mean, I always wanted to be involved with startups. Um, so I actually majored in a business economics with an accounting emphasis because my original plan had been to go join a accounting firm, be so bored out of my mind that it would force me to create a startup. That was my original plan. As it ended up happening, instead, I uh, got a job with a, a marketing agency. Uh, I was the only applicant. Um, so I oh, managed to get winning. hired, which was great. Yeah. Uh, so I was at a marketing agency doing affiliate management for like the first five years out of college. And it was uh, sweet. Like, um, I mean, I'm sure you know the affiliate space really well in terms of like the players and stuff. Like, obviously, Santa Barbara's where CJ was. Yeah. Uh, almost all of the like major early affiliate marketing stuff all centered around Santa Barbara. So we had access to amazing clients and it's, it's really funny looking back at it now because we are like this little boutique agency in Lompoc, which is like 45 minutes North of Santa Barbara. And yet uh, like for clients, we had both uh, big commerce and Shopify. We launched both their affiliate programs. Um, and then we had like, some companies that were like just in the starting uh, ground, like um, Quest Bar, which was like this protein bar that is yeah. now a billion dollar company. Um, so we had just amazing clients. And from like the very beginning, I was able to, because uh, it was like a two person company when I joined it. And I was the second person, which means that I was hands on, like launching all these affiliate programs. So I have a really strong background in understanding like what actually works and appreciating like, where things have started, what has continued to work all of these years, and then like what's really cool about what we do at Everflow um, that is going to solve a lot of the problems that I experienced back then. And this is another thing, but didn't you also study Japanese? Yeah, so I minored in Japanese, which was uh, definitely really fun. It's a languages are a really great thing to study in college, just because uh, if you think speaking in public is hard in English, once you're doing it in a foreign language, it's 10 times harder. So yeah. it makes it a lot less stress to talk, <laughs> to, to present in person in English. Well, it's funny. So I looked at Japanese would be hard. So I, I did, yeah. I went to Costa Rica and studied abroad um, Spanish. So my Spanish yeah. was proficient. Now I, I've probably lost a lot of it over the last 20 years. Cause you know, I just haven't used it as much, but Japanese, man, that's kudos to you. Cause I, that's not an easy language to learn. Um, and uh, the fact that you're able to put that in as a minor, that's awesome. That's definitely, it's outside of the spectrum of, of, I think what most people would do in regards to minor, that's awesome. You challenge yourself like that. Yeah, it was really, really fun. I got to study abroad for six months in Japan, which was like such a interesting and fascinating experience because so much of what we like Japanese colleges, just a side note are very interesting in that, uh, I'm sure you've heard that like Japanese, like high schools are famous for all these exams and like how hard it is. Uh, so once you finish that exam period, you get into college, you're basically just uh, smooth sailing for four years. Like Japanese colleges are actually like really easy. What matters is what college you got into in the first place more mm -hmm. than anything you do in college. Like the standard, like the challenge level, like drops off as soon as high school's over. 
It's that and test, so it's just, right? It's like a, there's like a big test that they have to take. And it's like either you yeah. make it and you do great or you don't make it and you're not doing great. Yeah. So, it, but once you make it, you're like, it's, it's easy mode, which is really interesting. And yeah. then the other thing that was just crazy was that like, uh, at the you basically have to get a job out of college. That's going to be your job for your life um, in Japan. So when you, like the students, as they got to their fourth year, if they didn't get a good job, they would literally just fail the year and retake that year to try and get into like one of these big firms. And so there was this like really interesting feeling of like sort of hopelessness because they knew like, this is going to be my entire life being decided by this one thing. And like, I may not get another opportunity for a good job ever again. Um, so it was really interesting, like that sort of mix of like, just having to accept like this sort of like salary man lifestyle. It, it's one of those things that really makes you appreciate like American, like entrepreneurial culture where you can always try something, fail and hop onto a new thing. Like you, you still have yeah. great opportunities 10 years down the line. Whereas like that was the general feeling there is like, they may not get an opportunity if it doesn't happen now, which is, is pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. No pressure. You're like, hey, it's like either you, this is this right here is like, a, you know, this is either going to define your whole life, whether you're successful or not. But, you know, do what you want. You can study if you want to figure it out or <laughs> fail and go back and try to figure it out again. So that's that's crazy. So what I wanted to talk about is because I obviously have a, a deep background in affiliate marketing and I wanted to talk about Everflow. So what I want to talk a little bit is more like the traditional marketing or affiliate marketing. Um, mm -hmm. And then how did you start working for Everflow? Like, how did that work? So I know you had, once again, you talked about having these phenomenal clients and working with some really big companies that ended up becoming billion dollar companies and mm -hmm. working on their affiliate programs from the beginning. So how did you apply at Everflow and how did that all, how did that all work out? Yeah. So my, uh, the company I was with uh, prior to Everflow uh, called uh, Bold Screen Media, uh, they were a video ad tech company. And I actually, consulted for a while to suggest like them launching a mobile user acquisition side, uh, which is what I had been doing prior to that. So I actually joined bold screen. I launched their mobile UA side from scratch using Everflow, which I, I was familiar with before I even joined bold screen. So I started up the mobile side. I managed to, to basically do everything, everything inside of Everflow um, to grow it from scratch up to like, I think it was like, on market for about like six to 8 million uh, for the year that I uh, ended up um, leaving to join Everflow. Uh, so I, I did a really good job. I built up a team there. Um, and, but it, it's one of the realities of the Bay area that I will never build a afford a house here on like just a high paying salary um, at an ad tech company. Like the only way you can afford a house here is an IPO. And that requires like a tech platform or something else um, that just goes gangbusters is worth like a billion dollars. And then I can actually buy something because the economics of her houses, when you include property taxes and stuff, is crazy. So it's a very mercenary reason for uh, looking for a new opportunity. Um, and the way it came about was uh, the classic UC Santa Barbara style of like uh, just a night out drinking. Um, they wanted me to join Everflow. Uh, it made sense. So I spent like two months finding replacements, getting a new manager uh, at bold screen for the mobile side and very sorrowfully uh, making that transition. Um, fortunately, it worked out well for both sides. And like, I'm still super close to that company, but it was a, a really tough decision. But again, like you have to, you need a rocket ship to, to stay in the Bay area if you want to have like a home. 
which is really intense. It is. You know, it's funny. So I, and we're seeing this here in Sacramento because I, I actually flip real estate in Sacramento. So it's a whole nother story, mm-hmm. but I tell you the, the flood of Bay area folks that are coming to Sacramento and wherever, because they can all do remote living and it's so expensive <laughs> in the Bay area. Now I know the prices are going down a little bit, but it's still ludicrous. I mean, it's yeah. absolutely ludicrous. And the fact that you have to IPO to buy a house, I mean, I just really think about that. Let that sink in any other place in, you know, in at least the United States, you could live in 98% of the places and afford to live wherever you wanted in, in a nice place. And then San Francisco's in that top 2% with probably New York and, you know, Marin County, all these different places. You're like, it's just so expensive. But all right, man, we'll get, we'll get you in an IPO. We'll, we'll get you that money <laughs> so you can get that house. That'll be the plan. Um, so tell us a little bit about Everflow, because obviously you've been working with Everflow before you actually started working at Everflow. Um, yeah. give, us a little, give us a little breakdown. Like, what exactly do you do? What's the premise of it? Yeah, so Everflow is a partner marketing platform. Um, and what that means is that it's for managing all of your performance partnerships, whether those are affiliates, influencers, referral partners, strategic relationships, or even like tracking all of your media buying channels. Um, and so like that, that broad, um, umbrella matters for a lot of stuff. Um, for one thing, like the biggest problem with affiliate marketing is uh, from the agency perspective is that like, you're so siloed from all of the other marketing efforts at your clients. And so you're always fighting about does affiliate market marketing deserve any credit at all, or (laughs) should the very expensive paid marketing that they do internally get all the credit? So things like that are constant challenges. And what's really cool about Everflow is you can have all your performance marketing in a single platform, everything's tracked together. You're seeing not only the performance results, the revenue from that, but also all of the engagement events, all of the stuff around that. And because you have everything in one place, you can actually do an apples to apples comparison of like, where does an affiliate, where does affiliate A provide value versus influencer B versus my internal media buying? versus like my say like agencies media buying everything in one place means that you actually can really understand how everything provides value which is huge right it comes down yeah. to attribution it comes back to like where you know what what's working i put out marketing dollars that's always the big thing people go you know i'm spending whatever hundred thousand dollars and it's bringing in this and i know fifty thousand of it's working i just don't know which fifty thousand of it's working mm-hmm. right and so that's always the hardest part is like coming up with like does this make sense to continue this and how do we how are we looking at that um, and I love the fact that you guys pull in, you know, influencer marketing and affiliate marketing. Is it mainly done through like coupons? I like, kind of break that down a little bit. Like how is like when we talk about attribution? Yeah, sure. So the primary way we do attribution is a thing called direct linking. Um, and the ba- easiest way to understand it is it works a lot like Google Analytics. Uh, so rather than using the traditional uh, redirect link that's common in affiliate marketing, um, you actually just have the like partner influencer sending traffic to, for example, like Nike.com uh, PID equals nine. If they're partner nine in your Everflow system, when they get to Nike, our system will have a, a JavaScript on that page that will pull that will detect the fact that PID nine is there. And then we'll start tracking that click for that partner. And then when the purchase happens, we'll reward partner nine inside of your Everflow platform. Um, what's really important opens up a lot of doors is one it's really easy for all types of like publications influencers and stuff to link without understanding much and b it works for media buying so with media buying they don't really allow redirect links um it gets flagged all the time in google and facebook if you're trying this but because in this case they're just sending them straight to 
the advertiser's website. You don't have to worry about anything getting flagged because it's actually going to the legitimate placement. And then we're starting the tracking there at that point, which means that all this data is uh, able to be tracked from these different channels in one place. So, yeah, so that's one. Lost. Yeah. And then for influencers, you want to work the way that is best for them. So then you have like coupon tracking, which is pretty simple. And one thing we do on top of that, that's really cool is uh, like tracking code URLs. So say you assign a uh, promo code Instafluencer to an, one of your publishers. When you do that, it actually creates a custom destination page using like your internal tracking domain. So say it could be like go.nike.com forward slash the influencers promo code. And when that page is visited, it will redirect them to the normal landing page and start the tracking process. So that's really good for influencers that use video or Instagram where they can't easily uh, link, but they can do like a quick shout out for go to this page to support my show. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I think that's so important because I actually I know I, I know your guys' software because obviously we did a review a few months ago um, that's indexing well with that in regards to the review type side of things. Um, and, and that's why I was excited about having you on the podcast, because for me, it's like, hey, people have to know about this, right? And, and understand how to use it. And, and once again, that the understanding attribution has always been the big, one of the biggest challenges. And I think this is, this is a solution for that. So how, does, um, how, is, how is Everflow different than other affiliate platforms out there? Like, what is, what is the differentiator? Because obviously, there's quite a few affiliate platforms out there, but you guys are not just an affiliate platform. I think that's the, the differentiator. But like, how, what makes you different? Yeah. So first it's like, what is the ecosystem of companies out there? So there's basically two types of companies. You have affiliate networks, things like CJ and impact, um, where the program lives inside of their platform. Um, and what's really useful about say like a CJ or impact is that they have these giant affiliate marketplaces. So you can recruit from like say 5 million affiliates. Um, so that's category a category B is, uh, companies like Tune or Cake, where they are giving you an internal white label platform where you can manage your advertisers and your partners, et cetera. Um, Everflow sort of, um, it's an ongoing process, obviously, but we are trying to have the best pieces of both. And in terms of like features and functionality, we're already like massively more advanced than any of them, um, in part due to the fact that like, uh, the origins of company. Um, so let's go back to, let's talk about the origins of company in a little bit, but just to con uh, finish this. So basically like when you have Everflow, not only do you have your own white label platform, so you're owning all the relationships, both on the advertiser and on the publisher side, whether those are affiliates or influencers, et cetera. So you have your own platform, you have the ability to have a marketplace to recruit from um, our recommended tier eight affiliates. And the way that we structured that is Quite a bit different than CJ or Impact. They have millions and millions, but as we both know from managing affiliate programs, you have millions of affiliates, but most of them are bad and yeah. you never want to work with them and they're never going to do anything. Typically, you might get up to a program of like 6,000 plus affiliates and of that 60 to 100 are actually driving sales. Yeah. So the approach with Everflow was just to choose curated partners that have proven results and make it uh, an instant connection. Like you uh, invite them to your platform, they accept, um, it connects the two systems together and automatically feeds your offer into their platform for promotion. And all of the partners in there are all like already doing millions and millions of 
sales and revenue per month. So they have a ton of scale or they do something really cool or innovative. Like we have a ton of media buyers doing like native advertising, Facebook, Google on behalf of the brand. And then finally, we just have really neat opportunities like Gridwise, which is like a, a social network and utility app for rideshare drivers. So we break it into massive scale, media buying excellence or a unique opportunity that's good to brag to your boss about. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> Something you can brag to your boss about. That's that's a good category. That's probably that's an, it's that's very bosses are looking agency. at. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Because yeah. that's they're asking questions. You're like, I gotta answer these and you know, and be able to explain it to them how this is working. Yeah, because I mean you can say like, oh, I recruited this extra like uh, performance affiliate and they're driving a thousand sales and it it's like nice, but they're just like, okay, growth is good. Whereas like when you have a few cool opportunities, those are the ones you bring up on your weekly meetings to impress them. Yeah. To seem to be cool, still be cool <laughs> to, to sit, to save yourself for another week, try to get to that IPO and buy a house in Oakland somewhere. I get it. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So, um, and then the, the other part I was going to explain is just like the origin of the company. Cause I think that that makes a big difference. So uh, the thing to keep in mind with Everflow is that we were launched on November of 2016. And I think, even our youngest competitors is almost 10 years old now and technology has advanced a lot and what you're built on makes a huge determination of like what you can do. So um, the, the background of Everflow was that uh, the three co-founders uh, launched one of the first uh, mobile ad tech net or mobile affiliate networks, uh, Mula Media. Mm-hmm. Um, so they grew that up in the very early days of mobile um, and then eventually it was acquired by Opera, which then acquired Ad Colony and rebranded as Ad Colony. Um, so uh, they had a huge successful out, uh, exit. They spent their years vesting. They looked around the uh, ecosystem. They realized that no one had really built uh, a new platform that solved a lot of the pain points that they'd experienced. And so they started Everflow in 2016. And like we just had gangbuster success. Um, we're a bootstrap company. They self-funded. And we just run on profit ever since. Um, and we're up to 600 plus customers. I think we're at like about eight, 9 million ARR right now. Um, so it's been just a rocket ship growth. Um, and because we started much later, um, the entire platform was built on Google Cloud. And having an infrastructure around cloud means that we were always built with the capability of having all of our data accessible in real time. So a great example of that is we have an analytics report in our system where you can say like, I want to know the performance of partner A. When you click partner A, it autom- you can filter it out so it shows you every single placement delivered by partner A. And then you can click on any of those placements and see the individual metrics for that single placement and have everything filter around that. Like that sort of like real-time data comparison makes things that used to be important but were extremely tedious so they can only be do- done like once in a while. Mm-hmm. something you can do regularly on a daily basis. And that completely changes your ability to manage a program and scale it. Yeah, that's beauty, right? I mean, that's, you know, in the past, that's always been such a headache and to be able to get that done and be able to, to, to show that and you guys' dashboard. But I think what, you, what you're touching on, and I, I know this firsthand is that it's only a four-year-old company, but it's, it's the background of, of how they built it, knowing that they were going to scale in the different things. So a lot of these older affiliate 
networks are built on older softwares and older stuff yeah. that, that that's going to be difficult. So they're going to have to redo some things and it's, it's not happening. They're still built. They're making money off the old stuff, but there's a new way to do things. And so I think that's what you guys are doing. Yeah. And then the other things with that too, is just like mobile has so many challenges, like trying to upgrade your system to handle like mobile traffic and mobile performance and app installs. Like there's so many challenges there too. And yet they, they offer this, they just can't ever do it well because it requires like a fundamental redesign internally. And yeah, I, the other thing I was going to get to with like the veteran team is just like, they knew what needed to be built in the market. Um, so we always had that groundwork of like, we knew that like with mobile, like you're not dealing with a hundred thousand clicks, you're dealing with billions of clicks. So I think our biggest clients are doing like 5 billion clicks per month, which is unthinkable in the desktop world. No one does 5 billion clicks in it. And mm -hmm. to handle that kind of uh, volumes requires a, an infrastructure built to massively scale up to that. And you need to have that design in place in the early days. And that's not something you can like build later without re overhauling your entire company and ruining a lot of stuff that's already worked. Yeah, that's beautiful. That 5 billion clicks on mobile. That's crazy. Lord, that, that's insane. Thanks, Michael. It's been a great conversation. I'm sure our audience learned a few new tricks about improving their affiliate marketing programs. But it doesn't stop here. I still have a lot more questions for you. On the next episode, we'll talk about the differences between affiliate marketing and referral marketing, so stay tuned.